Welcome to the Film of Science, the double feature podcast. Join us as we unravel the interwoven experience, the continuous conversation of cinema. Take part in pairing movies with their cursed counterparts, movies that share DNA, or even pairing questionable duos by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash We offer tiers at the $1, $5, and $20 level, with a $5 tier or grant the ability to request films to further the discussion. So grab some popcorn, sit back, and get ready to join the 100-year conversation. This is the Film of Science, where movies are more than just entertainment there an experience there an experience all around you and welcome back to another episode of the film of steins thank you guys for joining us today i'm joined today by my sagittarius friend lucy hello everyone you can join us every monday wednesday and friday for brand new episodes of the film of steins some recent episodes include the too cool for school rebel moon Disney's own The Creator, Napoleon, Society of the Snow, and Anatomy of a Fall. Remember to leave nice reviews, comments, thoughts, and ideas over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash Are you stressed and filled with anxiety like I am? Maybe in a bit of pain from that car accident you had a few years ago? Well, the sponsor of today's episode, Hempville CBD, has us covered. They have the highest quality products created by chemists and doctors. Hempville carries everything from CBD to THC dispensary grade without those despicable dispensary prices. Order your Delta 8, 9, edibles, and vapes along with the THCA flower and get free shipping when you spend $50 or more at hempvillecbd.com. Check out the link in the description for more details. And we're back today with another Netflix movie. I don't know if it's a production, but Todd Haynes' May-December with Natalie Portman and Gracie. I don't know her actor name and, and Joe. Julianne know. Moore. Oh, that's right. Julianne Moore. And Charles Melton. Charles Melton. All right. Well, I will say Todd Haynes has been on my list of directors to at some point get to for a while. He's one of these guys because... The things that recommend him, the people who recommend him, seem to clump him with David Lynch. And I could see some of it in this movie a little bit, especially with the score and how that kind of crescendos into nothingness. It's kind of fun. But I am happy to report back today that May-December is pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's a good watch. But I had a hard time understanding why I liked it. I guess I liked the, you know, tabooness of the subject here, the May December relationship, which I didn't know that was a thing. I thought we just had somebody that was born in May and December, but far from that. And I really like how this story was told through um the actress Elizabeth and just kind of how funny this movie is. I don't know if it's meant to be funny. I'm sure it is. But that kind of humor that I think both of us like and appreciate, that's not your uh, comedy slapstick humor. It's your more dark situational humor. I think something was off about the pacing for me. Maybe the first, uh, the first act and the last act were good and something in the middle just wasn't hitting it for me. Um, so there might be a little bit of pacing issues there. I'm not sure if I felt like the movie was a bit too long or just didn't flow like I thought it would flow, but um, something there that I didn't like. But, I mean, the vibe of this whole movie was, was, was spot on. Yeah, the vibe was very cool, and I agree. The pacing was off, and I, I feel like it has more to do with the motives of Elizabeth because, you know, she's introduced... She's like, I'm this actress who's going to play you in an independent film. And so you're like, okay, she's going to study Gracie. You know, the movie goes on and you're just like, there's, you know, kind of more to Elizabeth than just studying Gracie. But unlike Gracie and Joe, as the movie goes on, less is revealed about Elizabeth. And so it makes her motives a little confusing, other than that she's a little bit psychotic in some way but that's there's nothing really to her character and she's sort of the central character between yeah. these three it's almost like she's obsessed with 
this story with this i mean yeah story is a good way to put it because that's how she puts it which kind of makes gracie mad that she's referring to them as a story which you know for them that's their lives but there's some obsession going on here that just makes her so selfish about this whole thing and not really getting to the root of it but just nailing the character that she has to portray and she's a little so shallow that it almost feels like it's this depiction of just hollywood interested in a crazy story they you know you hear about and they want to make a movie about it and there's nothing more to it but she goes above and beyond to remind you that this is an independent film which is maybe a tactic that Hollywood might use, I guess, to help humble the situation of like, you know, injecting an an observer to to study what's happening or what has happened in this situation. But it feels really hollow, except in those moments where she's fucking weird and she's, you know, kind of doing a method acting type situation. I mean, practicing is not method acting, I guess, but she does kind of try to, live in Gracie at some point yeah especially when she starts wearing the same type of clothes that Gracie wears and the sunglasses the makeup which is slick the the lisp mm-hmm. yeah the trying to hook up with her man yes it's all very good but it and it maybe has something to say about Elizabeth that she's maybe someone perfect for the acting profession craft because she's without any self anyway she has no ego she there is no elizabeth she's just a vessel for a character like gracie the project yeah which is another tether to something just like hollywood grasping onto something and wanting to make something of it you feel me yeah 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 is todd haynes calling out hollywood I think so. We cause, because we also get little glimpses of Elizabeth's acting career with her um other show that's referenced and her um telling Joe that, you know, she started out in the theater and how fancy that is to actors and when Joe references her show, she says, "Oh, you know, I I don't know how I feel about that show, but I'm still so thankful it gave me my start." Like how is that not something every actor says about their first show? I mean, you know, I'm I'm thinking Bill Murray here with Garfield. <laughs> yeah, that was mid career. And then, <laughs> but you know, just that. Well, you know, it's a stupid show, or I felt silly about that role, but yeah. it gave me my start. There's not any personality in it, is it? When she talks about yeah. her, her herself. Yeah. So I think you're onto something there. I mean, the irony is that it's a Netflix movie. <laughs> I guess, but it's not a Disney movie, which is maybe an important thing because Netflix is much more of the new kid on the block, right? They've only been around for about 20 or so years in making movies, I maybe 10, I'm not even sure. But there is something hollow about a lot of the movies made today from things like Disney and yeah. Warner Brothers. So maybe, yeah, maybe there's something to that, actually. That just popped in my head. Well... <laughs> Did you feel like Gracie was portrayed like the bad guy here enough? Was she predatory enough? No, not at all. And I like that she wasn't. It the movie itself kind of takes the it takes a little bit of an objective angle, I think, and it does take that that perspective of almost convincing you like in a strange way that what Gracie did wasn't that big of a deal. Just because it doesn't really seem like it's that big of a deal, which is which is really a really neat space to live in, I think, because you, you got to keep reminding yourself, well, she hooked up with this seventh grader, however, 12, 13, 14. I, well, I think in the in this in May, December, he was 14. She was 36. But it's based off of a true story. And I think in that story, he was a little bit younger. He was 14 in 7th grade, Joe was. That's how they're playing it here, yes. How many times did he fail? (laughs) (laughs) Is that right? Is that about right? I think you should be about 12 in 7th grade. No. 
that that's about right for someone that has failed a grade okay or born late or early however that correlates to so i don't think it's that far of a stretch he might have failed one time okay and he's from korean descent yeah half korean half korean (laughs) okay so you know maybe he got held back for something i don't know but i think 14 is about okay okay that seemed seventh grade a little old but because i was just thinking like eighth grade is he's gonna get his permit he's gonna be 15 years old he's gonna get his permit i i remember in high school the people that were the older people which i was part of that group got their permits around ninth grade you could start taking your driver's ed class to get ready for your license so yeah, I mean he was a man. He was a man apparently. <laughs> he seduced her. He did seduce her. That's probably one of the funniest parts that made me laugh out loud was when she was uh teaching Elizabeth how to bake and she said, "You know, he's actually been with more girls than I have." With, yeah, that was awesome. with men. And it just cracked me up. That's when I that's when I saw or that's when it clicked that this movie was actually humorous and made me kind of look back on all the other stuff. And it's like, oh, okay, this this has some kind of funny elements to it. It's also one of those scenes where it confirms the shit out of it that Gracie's out of her mind. Yes, yes. And I, I, I like that. I, too, agree that we didn't make her super predatory or anything. Are you glad that we didn't? Would you like... Us to villainize her a little bit more? No, 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 no. Because I think we did a great job making her to be a fucking psycho and how manipulative and controlling she was. That we didn't need that other evil um, villain predatoriness. We we got enough of her mental state that I was okay with it. Yeah, and she even tries to spin it that Joe is the reason for all of this you know through a couple of different scenes it's just like you crazy what (laughs) okay he must have been a good looking 14 year old (laughs) how long was she in prison do you know do we know she was in prison for i think seven years not in real life but in the movie i think in the movie seven years in real life maybe seven or ten but i think she was in prison in the movie for seven years if i'm not mistaken if you're pregnant in prison, are you walking around the prison with babies? You're walking around the prison pregnant. Well, when you give birth, are you walking around the prison with babies or do they get to go out? No, the baby gets to go out. Okay. The baby gets to go to... Do they have to pay... Do you have to pay bail for the babies? <laughs> get to bail the babies out? <laughs> That'd be hilarious if there's a tiny baby prison for the babies that couldn't get bailed out. But no, they give them either to a family member or to child services. Mm. So in 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 this movie, she was pregnant and had twins. That's um Mary and Charlie. But in the real live story, she got pregnant, went to trial, you know, prison for I think seven months, and they let her out. And they were like, okay, as long as you stay away from him, no contact whatsoever. You can be out, but they got caught again, <laughs> and then that's when she got pregnant again. So she didn't have twins in real life, but she did have two kids almost back to back, and got her ass sent again. That's wild, isn't that crazy? Yeah, one of my favorite um parts that truly just emphasized how messed up Gracie is. When she says, I am naive and always have been when they're in the bathroom. And I don't know, that kind of disturbed me a little. And I, I had to think about that a lot on why someone would admit that they are naive. Yeah, it's because it's often one of those things that you usually find out you're naive after you know something happens that you know you probably should have known about beforehand. But her self-awareness throws a wrench in her character. So it's her being fake, right? I don't know. Is she psyching Elizabeth out? Is have, it like a facade? I don't think so. I don't know. It's like, it's, I mean, I totally agree that that moment I was just like, it was, a, it was, I mean, it's sort of a big reveal in some way where you're just like, wait a minute. 
do you know that you did something bad? Like if I'm just like, I don't know. I have no idea because everything else she says, not that she's that reliable, I guess, but it, she seems to blame Joe. Yes. But is she (laughs) blaming Joe because she knows what she did is messed up, but she's that kind of manipulative controlling person that she's just going to throw it back at him because she seems like that, especially at the end. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's going to be one of the confusing parts of like a super narcissist type character is it's really hard to know what is and isn't part of their facade because there's no doubt, you know, narcissists are, you know, geniuses in their own bubble and they know how to control the situation. Right. But when they have that one on one, her and Joe, when Joe has that real performative breakdown which is awesome yes you're just still just overcome with like she's fucking crazy but is she i don't know i don't know because we get a couple hints of her craziness when or of her kind of manipulation when she's talking about her daughters and the weight thing comes up uh, we have that first instance when Mary is trying on Mary is trying on a dress, which that whole scene confused me, by the way. But we can come back to it. But she's trying on a dress and it's sleeveless, and she says that she's so brave wearing a dress like that. Like how confident she is wearing a dress like that. Which that's a tactic from all manipulative mothers mm-hmm. telling you you're fat. Yeah, and especially them, I guess when you've been abused enough in that way, you will eventually realize that they are just projecting themselves onto you. She's just exposing her insecurities in those moments, too. Which we come back to it at the dinner table when her oldest daughter, Honor, talks about how she got her a, um, a scale for her graduation present. And then she's like, well, my mom got me a scale, too. And that 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 right there is just like a like a slice of her life that she went through as a kid and now she's using that to manipulate her kids and to kind of throw it back like if that's how I was treated that's how I'm going to treat you kind of deal and that's just so awful so that's her literally putting herself in that situation so that right there just makes me confirm that she knows what she's doing that's the kind of funny thing though because what are narcissists you know especially good at it's tricking themselves into into their own facade into their own psychosis that's true that's true because i'm always always questioning they gotta know that they're doing this that's what makes them truly narcissistic is they that border between exercising that power and truly expressing themselves is is just completely invisible to themselves like they just they lose themselves in their narcissistic behavior you know we've all met people who at least have narcissistic tendencies right if not a narcissist yes it seems to be one of the more common personality disorders is elizabeth a narcissist or is she just completely obsessed? Because I think that's an important part of her character. And also, I don't think narcissists have the focus in their life, the attention span to be as obsessed like Elizabeth. Yeah, I don't think Elizabeth is a narcissist because she seems more self-aware of what she's doing and her selfishness. And I guess I kind of see that when, you know, right after she has sex with Joe... She says, well, that's just what adults do, which she knows what she's doing. She knows that she's using him. Which is awesome. Yeah, that's, oh my God, that's (laughs) hilarious. And like, poor Joe, man. Oh man, poor Joe. This whole entire film, I just feel for him. It's so fucking sad. Whether we focus on him or not, if you can read between the fucking lines, it's so sad. His life is just, I mean, and he, he, he has this like moment where he realizes it. Even that moment where him and Elizabeth just finished having sex, they he takes it in such a way that he's that it hurts, but he believes her. You know? 
that okay this is uh, he's it's like a learning experience for him it's like okay this is what adults do okay this hurts i just fell in love but now my heart's broken but this is what adults do okay you know and then he because he's really open about it and i think he does a really great job i can't believe it i've never seen this guy before he's in riverdale by the way i thought it was 13 reasons why but no he's a riverdale person oh i don't yeah i probably have seen him then Mm -hmm. but he's he's kind of the crux of the movie happening like why the movie even happens because he's has these explosive moments of you know, being right on the cusp, right on the edge of connecting with people and trying to connect and trying to figure out how that happens because something happened in his life that made that impossible. Probably, you would think, I guess, after Gracie being in prison for so long, he would have had that time to have that high school girlfriend, have all these friends, like be kind of normal and maybe even figure out that maybe what he has with Gracie shouldn't happened even after he's 18 kind of thing Mm -hmm. because she was in prison for a while right yeah so that's a little strange but obviously gracie had some kind of control on him even then that's the only way right i mean kids first of all that's a big oh yeah that's true and he had that kid shortly after they they first hooked up yeah that's fair that there's adults now being controlled by kids and there's no doubt kids kind of detach you from normal connections mm-hmm. especially at that age other or other should say other connections that's true if there was a 14 year old kid at school with a kid i'm not talking to him yeah not like that anyway he's gonna be I'll alienated be his friend but... yeah 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 for sure he's gonna be totally alienated by everyone too teachers and all because he hooked up with the teacher and it's like oh shit <laughs> but i love that moment you know when he tries to connect with his son and he's high and then you know we all know when we're high you have these you you kind of say what you're thinking a little bit more often. <laughs> you know, you don't, it's the internal mon- monologue is all of a sudden external. And, you know, he's like, I can't tell if we're connecting. Are we connecting? You know, he asks him and it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. And I it makes me wish we could have got more of Joe, but I do appreciate Joe being on the sideline because he's this weird, dramatic reason for just the whole movie in its entirety because we don't get a lot of like, meaningful drama between gracie and elizabeth there's not any growth between these two characters right there's nothing happening really other than their the drama between them like the toxic kind of drama happening between them but we get we get a lot to chew on it's pretty much the only chew we have in the whole movie is with joe and it's just his explosive maturity that happens over these these few weeks and then yeah of course his fight scene where he's it's like almost kind of creepy too when he's in the corner and she's sleeping and he like starts crying and like the sobbing and stuff it's like it's really good it's really good not to mention we get little tiny bits and pieces of his tenderness with his butterflies and his bugs yeah and he's a like an x-ray technician and stuff and so he's he's a tender delicate person yeah that's right we get a lot of character out of him which i don't know it's just i can't get over the fact that he's so sidelined he's such a side character he's like a main side character in its truest form yeah and then there's the whole like emotional disconnect with the kids that makes me wonder is this all on purpose it has to be right making joe more the sideline the disconnection from the kids i can't imagine this story being told where these kids are close to the parents and just that sadness wouldn't be there. And that scene when Joe is trying to connect with his son wouldn't feel the way it feels if we got more from the kids. At least just the twins. Yeah, no, totally. Because it, it forces you to focus on feeling sad for Joe instead of feeling sad about the lack of connection between the two. You know, Because we don't know anything about his kid, the son. Mm-hmm. The- we couldn't care less about him, really. He's we don't. I don't even know if he has a name in the movie, but the movie does put us in a position to feel sad for Joe, not with Joe. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then we slowly bits and drabs here feel sad for the situation with Gracie and Joe because they've they're in a really strained relationship. You know, even though it's been twenty years together. It's not right. You know, they're not happy. 
they don't they're not friends they don't connect yeah the only moments that they seem to connect but we know it's all a facade is when she's crying when she just runs into bed and starts crying like a cry for attention and joe being you know the sweet tender person he is he has to go help but he doesn't want to and we see that in that scene when he brings the takeout food home and he has to go find her mm-hmm. and we we see that hesitation like ugh. well he even says fuck oh he does you that's right and so yeah it's really obvious yeah it's awesome i mean it's 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 good so the scene that left me a bit confused was the weird mirror scene it wasn't a confusing it wasn't supposed to be a confusing scene i think it was just the way they played with all the mirrors left me a bit confused and i didn't know who was what i was trying to place them in my mind or maybe trying to place the scene trying to place the set of the scene in my mind that left me kind of like totally uh so it's disorienting yeah and that's an important part that's a fundamentally important part of like editing and getting like that line of sight of when you're looking at when characters are looking at characters like in you know like 12 angry men would have been the easiest thing to fuck up and get you all kinds of out of whack with who's sitting where and looking at who and whatever right that would have been that's why i mean it's one reason that movie should be studied purely by it's i'm not even sure what to call that but just it's it's perspective shots you know them everybody looking at each other and and it might be a little bit important here that you're a little disoriented and there was you had a hard time focusing because I did too, because I think you're supposed to be a little confused with between these characters. I don't think there's a lot of clear intention beyond Elizabeth trying to get inspiration and trying to match this character. But that's not enough for a movie. That's not enough for a story. That's not enough for anything, right? There's more happening here. There wouldn't be a movie otherwise. That's obvious, right? So I think this shot, this little scene is supposed to help confuse us a little, like in a climactic kind of way of confusion. And also show us that you only see people at superficial levels, right? And you are also, at this moment in the movie, I'd have to go back and see, but maybe Elizabeth is becoming Gracie. And so there's this like reflection of each other kind of thing happening. So I think I actually think that scene's actually important, <laughs> but it is also confusing. So it's like hard to nail down the importance of it, but think that's also essential to the scene because, and that might help justify the simplicity of the two characters because we're supposed to be a little confused between them. And if they were any bit complicated, it would make the confusion a little bit more difficult to tackle, or I should just say grapple with so i don't know does that clear things up a little bit yeah you're saying that todd here is giving me homework todd's giving you homework for sure todd is a notorious director for giving homework i know that at least kind of like david lynch in that way so i I guess i have to sit with that scene a little more because i i mean i could barely focus on what they were saying because i was trying to place them yeah and then you see mary walk out and i'm like where did she come from and that's not important, but I just couldn't help but focus on it. Well, it is because it disorients you. So you're just like, it's just, it's kind of masterfully captured because, you know, it's just like any composition of anything. You want to kind of have a, like a, you know, a, a line of sight, a, a triangle of sight, right? Where your eyes bounce between the things. And that happens everywhere with all art. Mm-hmm. And, and normally, I guess in movies, it's pretty easy to force it because we're going to focus on who's in focus right so you can kind of force that which is you know and i and a restraint a advantage i don't know how you want to look at it in film right but here i you don't have a focus that you know the scene's super busy we're seeing reflections we're seeing two gracies we're seeing a blown up daughter i don't remember her name she's walking through and it's bizarre it's yeah. totally bizarre. No, I'm with you. It's definitely the most abrasive scene in the whole movie. One of the other scenes that I didn't like, but I think I didn't like it, and that was intentional, maybe, was when 
Gracie was doing Elizabeth's makeup. Hmm. That's the poster. That's the poster. Yeah. Oh, okay. That scene just kind of made me uncomfortable, and I was waiting for something to happen. But, I mean, this whole movie does that to you. We didn't even bring that up. It gives you this dramatic, intense music right before a nothing scene. And it's really well done. I really like it. I didn't think I would like it at first. I mean, the most iconic one is in the beginning. When she's opening the fridge door, we hear that intense music. I know. It almost feels like a Scream reference because that happens in Scream, too. Yeah. It's with the fridge door, yeah. And then, I mean, it's quiet. And then she's like, I think we're not going to have enough hot dogs. And then she shuts the door. I'm like, what the fuck did I just watch? That was probably the most David Lynch moment in the whole yes. movie. That bit right there. I, I thought for a second there she was going to break out into song. Like, I, I didn't <laughs> know what I was in for. But I liked it. I really liked it. So I kind of felt that here. Like, just the... Maybe not score wise, but just the just dramaticness of the scene. But we didn't really get anything out of it besides a little bit of Elizabeth's history with her parents. And was it the first instance of Elizabeth kind of fitting the mold of Gracie too? Yes. I think that's when I saw them both stare in the mirror and both of their mouths twitch twitched at the same time or she was mimicking one of her twitches which is awesome and then they had their makeup done the same way so that is the poster you're right <laughs> yeah and it's another mirror scene but it just left me disturbed good so i didn't like it good i think i think he nailed it i think todd gotcha <laughs> he hooked you in the right way i think it's a lot of what i just said about the the bridal dress scene is still important here with the superficial, like them becoming, or I should say really goes one direction. Although maybe, I don't know, maybe it goes some of the other direction. I'm not sure, but Elizabeth kind of becoming Gracie in a similar way. Yeah, it's weird. What does the the packaged shit in the very beginning represent? Their shit. Their life, right? That they're not welcomed, that they're not liked. Does it represent the the shitstorm Elizabeth is about to bring with her? She's going to throw a motherfucking wrench in this relationship and jeopardize what she can on her way out. Well, I guess when you say it like that. Because she brings yes, it to them. She literally brings it to them. <laughs> and see, I just thought it was a package of shit, but it was nicely packaged. It had a bunch of stickers on it. It looked on the outside. It looked pleasing. You know, like. A normal package. Like a normal package. Or more than a normal package because who's taking the time to put stickers on your package? Someone that cares. But nope, inside there's shit. So I thought that was just kind of a reflection of them. But that is important that Elizabeth is the one bringing it to them. Hmm, interesting. And she does. She brings... <laughs> she brings the worst kind of chaos to Gracie's life. Maybe something good for um, Joe here, but poor Gracie. Elizabeth does kind of inject a silver lining in Joe, saying that he's young still and there's time to restart. So mm -hmm. She she gives pretty solid advice in some way, <laughs> in a funny way. Unless that was, I don't think it was, but it, you can maybe read it in as a way to kind of get to him and have sex with him, but. You don't really say that to get to have sex with someone, you know? No. So. Yeah, there's some care there. Or maybe some kind of reflection because the bits and pieces of Elizabeth's current life that we get is that she's engaged or has a husband, but she doesn't want to be with him. So maybe a little bit of self-reflection there telling him like, look, maybe it's not too late to restart. Sure. So how did you feel about Elizabeth's monologue where she has this like whole maybe three four minute performative piece of her reading the love letter that Joe brought her and in the letter she kind of talks uh Gracie kind of talks about how they should wait until he's of age to tell the family and that it's really important to her 
for her kids to be okay and that she loves them and will always love them kind of deal. But when Elizabeth is saying this, it's like she's Gracie. It's like she finally got that last piece of the puzzle to become Gracie. Yeah, it definitely throws that wrench into Gracie's ego because it sounds like a sensible person writing this. Right. Okay, she's in love with a, a child, a minor, but she's she's self-aware enough and like socially aware enough that sh- this isn't a little bit of an issue. Yeah, and she even says at the end, "Please burn this." Yeah. So, it's I mean, I don't know if you can cut it any other way. It's just this, you know, it's just that narcissistic cyclone that just is impossible to kind of straighten out. Every narcissist, as we all know, says some really good shit. (laughs) They can be wise as shit at one moment, and then another moment you're just like, what? Do you hear yourself? Yeah. (laughs) You're acting like a 10-year-old. Like, I don't know. Like, you're blaming a 14-year-old for seducing you. Do you hear yourself? (laughs) And when you're 36 or however old she was, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, I mean that's yeah, it's 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 brilliant humor. It's brilliant humor and something that maybe we're not supposed to find so humorous, but I think you we are. We should. I oh, you mean in general? In general, yeah, like the subject. Sure, of... sure. Yeah, and Todd definitely. There's re- something very existential about it too. That there's this finding humor in that disturbed situation. Yeah, I really like this monologue because. From my interpretation of it, it fits with the end. When Elizabeth has finally nailed down Gracie and her secrets and the way she says this monologue and, you know, she even tilts her head. When she's done, she tilts her head back and just kind of has this moment of ecstasy. And then we have that final, final scene when they're at the graduation and she comes head to head with Gracie. They're both dressed very similar have the sunglasses maybe a hat I don't know but they both look almost identical and then Gracie says something that completely throws her off about her son right how they connect yeah or how they talk every day about her son and how they talk every day and that he told Elizabeth lies about her and um getting raped by her brothers like that that was all complete lies and she talks to him every day and whatnot And Elizabeth is now super confused. Like, what the fuck? I thought I had you nailed down, but I don't. And I kind of like that. I think she even says something about, I'm a very secure person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And someone telling you if they're a very secure person and you're not a secure person, it's going to kind of knock you down a peg or two. Like, oh, shit. And it does that to her. Yeah, it completely derails her. Yes. And I had a I had to take some time to think about that. I like that. I I don't like getting homework, but I got homework and I liked what I'm finding out from it because that's pretty cool, especially with the I guess the final final scene with them shooting the movie and her just not feeling like she got the scene right. Is that from her being derailed by Gracie? Like, I don't know. It's it's so good. Yeah, our writer here, Sammy Birch, has nailed a narcissist. Yes. He's completely, in almost two hours, he completely encapsulated a narcissist. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy, actually. And just like a narcissist, they're, they're hard to digest, like this film. So I'm to- I totally feel you. She, and that might be the crux of why we can't have these this dynamic these two characters really be the central focus like they are and they aren't they are for the reason the movie's happening literally because elizabeth is you know bringing her shit storm but joe is kind of our shadow main character for everything that everything that happens in the movie because can you have a narcissist as a main character is there anything worthwhile about that perspective you know, it's completely unreliable. They don't grow. They don't even know that they're they need a pro- to grow. Yeah, that they're a problem. Yeah. 
in other people's lives. They're a problem to themselves. They're a menace to society, as we all know, and they are a problem in their loved ones' lives constantly. So there's something really fundamentally justified in all that, I think. Yeah, and like and like Joe, you can't get away from it. I mean, this poor man, 20-something years with this woman and just being manipulated by her without... I feel manipulated. <laughs> <laughs> I feel manipulated, too. Oh, team Joe. I am definitely Team Joe. So that end, I I can't nail down... I've nailed down a lot about how I feel about this movie right here during this episode. Me as too. I speak. You, <laughs> you too. too. You too. Yeah. Breaking news. <laughs> this end is bizarre. Because on in one way, for, from one angle, you know it's a movie being made, right? They are... She's being called by the director or producer, whoever, and she's seeing casting auditions or whatever for children and she's like they're not sexy enough it's like okay you're you know you're trying to fit the character and everything you see you've met joe you need to know you know that he needs to be kind of sexy even for a 14 year old but then we get to the the final scene where she's on the couch in the pet store or whatever and it's almost pornographic in nature by it's it's acting and it's the dialogue and too. it's dialogue yeah and it's body language. And it's just like, what the fuck is going on here? It's just, <laughs> is, I, it's, you never know how much power an actor has in a production, period. Sometimes they have more power than you might guess, especially, you know, if they're producers, you know, all of a sudden they have a lot of power, but, which is not uncommon. But is this final scene, this raunchy, like, sci-fi channel movie style acting that final gut punch to modern movies hollywood movies the quality of you know your disney's is that what this is this isn't anything but that tether that we seem to have with natalie portman's character like i was talking about at the very beginning of the mm -hmm. episode is this that final punch to kind of remind us that hollywood is no matter what kind of work goes into the production of it, the research, the investigation of whatever situation or story, they're going to make it however they want to make it. Or is it an exposure of how perverse and predatory Hollywood is and just trying to sensationalize the story? You know, I feel like there's there's definitely that Hollywood angle here and probably not much else because... Again, we don't have a lot of character from Elizabeth or Gracie. Well, really just Elizabeth right here because she's the only character in it, right? So there's not much more to gain other than what she's already kind of established. You feel me? Yeah, and I think there's something important about her scene when those kids are asking her questions. Is it like some theater kids asking her questions? And she talks about how it's... Uh, predominantly male set just watching her do what she has to do and her just you know does she like it or not you know wh whatever she says there I think I think there's something there because we when we have that final scene we do have like a quick pan on all the males in the room which maybe that's what gives it the kind of pornographic vibe and her just talking about it that way kind of has makes it have that feeling too that she's actually enjoying it but not supposed to be enjoying it so mm -hmm. kind of like a dirty little secret sort sure. of thing and then i think there's also something there with casting that older you know 14 year old and we do that today how many movies of high schoolers do we not see when they're where where the guys especially well no even the girls they're they look like they're in their 20s these girls have like big boobs yeah it's pretty rare when you see a stranger things kind of cast yeah these girls look so sexy so well put together these guys look buff and tall and no one in my high school looked like that so i think there's something there yeah it's well said so it makes me think Todd here is maybe comparing the 
hollow, superficial nature of Hollywood movies to something like porn that is just there to please. Nothing more, nothing thoughtful, just there to entertain. No homework needed here, kind of thing. This teacher assigns different kinds of homework, you know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's something really thoughtful about that whole angle, actually, throughout the whole movie. It's not just the Elizabeth's character is that tether. Her whole presence, her whole existence is that tether. Her whole motivation is that tether. There's a funny thing happening here. And so maybe there's even a a deeper analysis of does Gracie somehow represent a narcissistic, you know, film industry and not having any trajectory. You know, they do one thing and then they do something else and you're just like, what? I thought we were on a good path and now we're making these again or something. And then we have Joe over here who's the sympathetic, you know, creative you know, delicate-minded person who's full of life still, but he doesn't know how to get it out there. Yeah, I mean, something's definitely there. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not thinking that far into it, honestly. That's way too much. That's way too much homework now, Todd. Way too much. Now you're just giving me a test, a take-home test. So that's definitely thoughtful. But it might be too much thought. Maybe. And here I was thinking there wasn't a lot to chew on in May, December. It's funny how you just got to dig a little deeper sometimes. Yeah. And and talk about it with someone to help you get your thoughts out there. It's fundamental. Yeah. To, to talk. You can't do it all in your head. It's impossible. Well, all right, man. That was a talk. Thank you for that. No, thank you for that. Getting my thought straight i always like it even though we don't do it much i really only remember it with leave the world behind kind of fully grasping what a movie is trying to say and at least our interpretation of it sure and maybe is an important part of this movie that let's listen to todd for a second you know most movies maybe don't have anything worthwhile to say so maybe that's you know we're noticing that good job todd Pat on the back. That's right. All right, man. Well, do you have a budget guess for me here today? My budget guess is $50 million. I don't know. I don't know. There's not a lot set-wise. You know, no crazy sets. No crazy things happening. No it's crazy all very natural. CG. Yeah, everything's natural. But we do have some high S-tier actors. Are these S-tier actors? Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore? Yeah, totally. And then Charles Melton may have just entered the A-tier with this. I'm not too sure, but... I mean, Riverdale's huge. And he's pretty well known and liked in Riverdale. But, I mean, he's he's up and coming for sure. So that kind of gave me a little bit of a hint on how much to give this movie. But Yeah, sure. I'm going with 50. I think that might be a bit generous, but I don't know. It is, it is, and I'm surprised to see that we have a budget, according to Wikipedia, at least, 20 million. 20? Whoa, I was, I was way off. Todd might be one of these guys who, he knows how to spend the money. Good job, Todd. He's good at stretching that dollar. We don't know anything about box office. I know it's in some select theaters, but Netflix doesn't report box office numbers. That's right. And it's, you know, it's a Netflix film so it's not really meant to be at the theater so whatever was it was it in the top netflix film for a certain week out of the year <laughs> to be honest i don't think it was oh i'm shit. not sure i don't I haven't seen that anywhere but when it came out i don't think it was in the top 10 movies now i am suspicious of the top 10 list anyways i think it might be kind of algorithmically catered to an individual but i'm not sure about that i I'm not, I, I don't know. But how do you, I guess how we've seen it before, how do you market it from that it is in the top 10 then? You know, it's a good marketing tool to have that as a just a chart of your top 10. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. But I didn't see it in the list, so. I, uh, Maybe it's too weird and taboo. 
yeah, Netflix was like, this is for all the film people out there. Build some culture mm-hmm. within our, our platform. It says over on Letterboxd, some general consensus for you, of 379,000 people. 3.8. 3.8. Very, okay. very high. Very high. Yeah. Lower than Anatomy of a Fall, though. What? Yeah, that's uh, that's something. That is not accurate in my mind whatsoever. Yeah, I gave uh, May, December a 3. I'm leaning towards a 3.5. Get with the average here a little bit, especially after discussing it today. So I'm I'm good with the general consensus. I approve. Yeah, I might be leaning towards a 3.5 as well, actually. Whoa. We've been right on the money, you and me, lately. I know. We need to watch a movie where we're complete opposites. Let's just watch A Ghost Story. That's a great movie. The worst movie I've ever seen. Now you might like it, though, after... Oh, with my new Shinigami eyes? Yeah. Maybe. So. But yeah, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the film of science this was a good talk thank you thank you all so very much remember we post every monday wednesday and friday with brand new episodes of the film times over on google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, pandora spotify patreon.com slash all the goods and remember to leave nice reviews thoughts comments ideas over on our patreon at patreon.com slash request a movie or two yeah whatever however many you want that's <laughs> fine but until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap for today's episode of The Film Stein. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on our cinematic journey. We hope you enjoyed our discussion, gained some new insights and perspectives on the world of movies. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, especially Patreon at patreon.com slash And follow us on social media for more film-related content. We love hearing from our listeners, so if you have any feedback, suggestions, movie recommendations, or book recommendations, please feel free to reach out to us. And until next time, keep watching keep loving the magic of movies. This is the Film of Steins signing off.